Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for being here today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 45 of the podcast. It's Jessica, and I'm so very glad you are here. The holiday stress, hustle, bustle, all the things is full underway. I know that your schedule is probably jam-packed with class parties and company parties and crafts and gifts and all the things, but I want to give you an hour where you can take a deep breath and get a new tool in your tool belt to deal with all of that hustle and bustle, okay? My guest today is life coach Nikki Olson, and today we're talking about the concept of mind-body bridging. Do you ever feel like your mind and your body just are not connected? Well, that's exactly the goal of mind-body bridging, is to get those two aligned again. And she's going to give us some very basic techniques in order to help (sighs) calm our mind, realign our body, bridge it, and feel a whole lot better. Nikki's also an extraordinary mom, and we're going to talk about her motherhood journey and so many more things. We're going to talk about how you can also help your kids to learn these tools as well. It is a fantastic conversation that could not come at a better time this season, and I'm excited for you to meet Nikki Olson. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Nikki Olson this morning. Hi, Nikki. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Awesome. Good. Do you usually record podcasts in your car? That's where you are right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually in Salt Lake for a training on a lunch break, and so I just popped up here. Oh, perfect. Actually, the sound is great in the car because there's so much buffer with all the fabric and everything, so I think it's great. Yeah. Because there's leaf blowing guys out here, and I was a little worried that their noise was going to mess it up. You're incubated. You are all good. Are you from Utah? I am, yes. I live in a little town called Blanding, Utah, just in the southeast corner. Very tiny town. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to be chatting today with you. We have a lot to cover and I've heard you on a lot of other podcasts and had so many amazing takeaways. So I'm excited to dig a little deeper myself, but for people that may not have heard you on other podcasts yet, we'll link to other things in the show notes for sure. But we just get a little background on yourself and your family, Nikki. Yes, of course. So I live in a little tiny town in Blanding, Utah. I have two little girls, 11 and nine. And I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor and licensed in the state of Utah. And I work for a company that provides services for the Navajo tribe, but I also own my own online consultation business. Um, And I offer services to individual group or digital courses to people to teach them mind-body bridging skills, which we'll kind of talk about today. Yes, we're going to talk about mind-body bridging today, and I yes. could use a little bit of that on this on this Tuesday morning, so let's <laughs> get let, let's get me bridged. Um, yes, tell me about your own motherhood journey. Yeah, so I was thinking about this, uh, like, how to, where to start with that. So <laughs> um, before I became a mom, I worked as a in-home parenting specialist. So I taught parenting skills to um, families in their homes. Kind of, There's a show called The Super Nanny, yes. maybe 10, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. That's kind of what I did. So I'd spend like eight to 10 hours a week with families in their homes and just teach them skills, which was interesting because I didn't have any kids. So Yes, <laughs> I didn't know that happened before you had kids. Okay, so how the heck did you know what you were doing? <laughs> Right? <laughs> That's what people would ask me all the time. Now, why are you teaching me this? Do you even know how to do this? <laughs> My response to them was that you don't go to a doctor for cancer if the doctor hadn't had cancer before, right? Like you would say, you have training. I'm okay coming to you for this because you have training and knowledge and education in this. So That's kind of what I would explain is that I may not have experience yet, but I do have a lot of education and training in this. And yeah. Um, we offer specialized services that teach specific skills. So that's kind of what I would do, but Got it. certainly okay. I have learned a lot more 
experiential training. Sure. <laughs> I, yeah, I was an elementary school yeah. teacher and I taught kindergarten, third and fourth grade. And this is all before I had kids. And yeah. I had a much different perspective on the type of homework that I would, I would assign. And sure, have this project done all at home. I'm sure your parents will love to do that with you. That sounds super fun. <laughs> and, you know, bring parents it back. Oh, <laughs> I would do things so – well, first of all, I wouldn't give homework now that I'm a parent right. because I don't – Agreed. I think it's ridiculous. They spend enough time doing tasks like that during the day. They don't need more reinforcement at home. Yes. And, yes. I mean, I would just do so many things different. And, I mean, bless these parents' hearts that – I mean, I, I hope I was a little bit more self-aware than I'm reflecting back on. But, yes. yeah, it is just so different once you step into their shoes. But having the training and education and everything and knowing – the proper protocol for things and, and the, an approach to things, you can definitely still impart wisdom without, you know, being a mom yourself. So I, I am curious before we jump back into your motherhood, then what were some of the common issues that you saw in that environment? I mean, yeah, I loved the super nanny and I mean, usually you walk into like worst case scenario with kids that are just, you know, the house is in disarray and the parents are worn down and everybody's crying. And I mean, is that kind of what you walked into all the time? And that doesn't sound like a very fun job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You would think that, huh? I mean, sometimes you do. I mean, sometimes it depended on where the referral source was coming from. So sometimes they're court ordered. And so you have a myriad of problems coming from court ordered Mm -hmm. clients than you do from self-referred clients. And so, um, a lot of the times you're entering their domain, right? And so it's different than somebody coming to your office. Like you're in, you're kind of entering their family system at that time, you know? And so you would be surprised, but most of the time I was welcomed with open arms. You know, people, the first phase of it is really just building a relationship with them. And so you spend a whole week just like eating dinner with them, just observing and really becoming a part of the family. And so that wasn't as difficult for that reason. But a lot of the things that I noticed that were common among families is um, just developing consistency in what they're doing. A lot of times people would try things, but weren't consistent in following through with them. And so the kids just developed this um, like sense for, okay, we're going to do this for a short period of time. Mom and dad are going to give up on it. So we don't really have to follow through with what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of, revolved around the system that was happening in the family, like just finding one that worked for their family that they could be consistent with. Like there's not one set of parenting techniques that works for everyone, but you have to find what works for your family. And so I would say consistency was the thing I saw across the board um, that just needed some adjusting or, or help with how can you be consistent um, with what, what your family is doing. Yes, that's not surprising to me at all. And so I guess my question for you then is, how do you know you're doing something that just needs more time to take hold to become a new habit, an expected part of our family culture, things like that? And then how do you know when something legitimately is never going to work? Like an approach. I would, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say if you can sustain it long term okay. is okay, the key, right? Okay, yes. like, we are all moldable human beings, right? Like if somebody's willing to stick with a consequence long enough with us, we're probably willing to kind of adapt to that, if that makes sense. Sure. But sometimes that doesn't mean to say that you can keep doing something that you feel like is draining you or or that you can't sustain long-term, if that makes sense. So of of course I can give a consequence to my kids every time they don't do their chores, but if I don't like sustaining that consequence long-term, it's not going to be effective. And right. so I have to look at it and say, how, how am I willing to follow through with this? Or am I willing to follow through with this, if that makes sense? Sure. I can think of a lot of chore charts that were beautiful and fancy yeah. and posted up on my wall that worked for three days and then I gave up. But it's because the chore yeah. chart, like I wasn't willing, yeah, that wasn't sustainable for us yeah. and it may be sustainable mm-hmm. for some families and that's that's the trickiest part of parenting Nikki isn't it like right. it's not <laughs> one size fits all and you really do have to see like based on personalities and ages and schedules and everything like what is going to work long term for your family that achieves your long term goals right exactly exactly yeah yeah yes. that's that's tricky okay so now jumping back into your own motherhood you've had this yeah. experience with being in other people's homes seeing 
their stressors and their pitfalls and knowing that consistency is so key. I mean, what a great learning experience for you going into motherhood. Did it make it easier for you to become a mom or did you struggle just like all of us? Oh yeah. Oh, I struggle. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Motherhood. I don't think anybody's immune to the struggle of motherhood for sure. Like we are all, we're all going to struggle, but I think the one thing that really helped me a lot, and I think we'll talk more about today is that I realized that everyone struggles, that there isn't anything wrong with us because we struggle. Like I think a lot of times we fall into this comparison trap where we see other people doing something really well And we feel like there must be something wrong with me because I'm not able to do that thing as well as them. Hmm. But what we're comparing is their outside with our insides. And so it's, you know, I can go to the store and maybe get look very put together and then on the inside be crumbling and nobody knows it. Right. And so somebody is comparing my put togetherness at the store with their not so put togetherness inside of them and they have no idea that we're we're having the same struggle Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in real quick and thank one of our show sponsors, and that is Beauty Counter. I'm sure you've already heard of Beauty Counter by now, but if you haven't, Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand started in 2013, and they disrupted the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products we use daily. I bet you'd be shocked to know what is in the regular makeup you're using every day. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. These are fantastic products that I have been using regularly for the last few months, and I feel so good knowing these are clean beauty products, and the products actually work. It doesn't do any good to wear makeup that's not actually effective, right? And so Beauty Counter has figured it out. My favorite is every night I use their cleansing balm to get my makeup off. It feels so soft and hydrated after I use it. Love that so much. And then every other night or so, three times a week-ish, I use the resurfacing mask. And you guys, I've seen such great results with my dark spots on my face. They have a huge catalog of products and everyone has their favorites. The Dew Tinted Moisturizer is also great. It has SPF in it. I just want you to go now to beautycounter.com and see all the cleaner and safer products you could be using. That's beautycounter.com. I'd love for you to give it a try and let me know what you pick out because I'm always looking for new finds at Beauty Counter. So thanks so much to Beauty Counter for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it with Nikki. So how did it go for you? Like, in what ways did you kind of have to adapt your thinking? And what were some of the best parts of motherhood for you and the hardest parts personally? I think, well, the best part of motherhood, I think, is when you see your kids getting something or understanding something. So the the reward paying off, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you see, oh, man, that hard work on really working on that behavior and they're getting it and they're changing it. Like, that reward makes you want to keep going, right? Like, right. I feel like that's the best part of motherhood. That's the best part of being a mental health therapist, you know, because you're in the struggle, you're in the trenches all day long, but you, you do it because of the results of the rewards that you get out of that effort you're putting in. Yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest thing. The hardest struggle for me, and I think is across the board for a lot of people, is that kids will do what you do, not what you say. Oh, yes. It's the modeling aspect of parenting. Like I can tell you, like you deal with your anger better, right? But I don't have to, I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get to do this how I want to do it. Right. And, or you see them like responding to something. You're like, Oh my gosh, that's totally how I respond to them. That's why they're doing that. And th- I think that's the hardest part about parenting is that you have to really be working on yourself constantly in order to help them make changes as well, because they're not going to make that change if you're constantly doing it as well. Yeah. And we always tend to, I tend to reaffirm moms being like, if your child is not behaving in the way you want them to behave or whatever it is, like it's not your fault. Like it's not a reflection of you as a person or a parent. That said, it (laughs) it is really, really important to look at what you're modeling for your kids. And if you are not behaving better than your children, you cannot expect them to step up because they have to right. get it from somewhere. So if you are yelling at your kids to stop yelling at each other, who, <laughs> yeah. who has to go first? 
right? Right, right. And so it's and not, and you can change. That's the thing. Like you're not like prescribed to be a terrible mother because you're yelling or because exactly, you're quick to anger. Yeah. And that's, that's the hope. Right, that, yep. that we want to offer today. It's not that we're, we're deeming you a good mom or a bad mom or anything like that. Yes. It's really a matter of self-awareness as a yep. means of changing yourself and modeling better behavior for your kids. And then in turn, most of the time, better outcomes come from them, even though they're still tiny humans that will do whatever they want. <laughs> right, which is why like, I feel like with parenting, mindset is the first step in Mm. parenting skills Mm -hmm. because if you go into it saying that exact thing to yourself like oh my gosh I can't even change it so my kids can't change it what's the point in trying and we really get in this downward depressor cycle then nothing changes right? right so we have to recognize and shift ourselves to a mindset of like okay I'm a human being who has weaknesses that's growing so are they right yeah. and when you get in that empathetic um, space to be able to recognize that everyone can make changes, right? We can be, have empathy, like, Hey, we're all not perfect. I'm not a perfect mom and I'm always going to make mistakes. And so are my kids. They're humans as well. They're always going to make mistakes. Approaching a parenting tactic from that mindset allows for a lot more growth, right? It has a little more, a lot more flexibility rather than rigidness. Mm. And that's where, where resiliency really comes from is the ability to be flexible so we as parents want to have our kids be resilient and bounce back from hard things, then we need to come from that flexible space as well and recognize, hey, we're going to mess up as parents and we're not going to model everything perfectly, but we can recognize it. We can apologize. We can talk them through and explain to their kids like, hey, I'm working on this too. This is how we can be helpful to each other. Um, let's do this journey together. Yeah, and it's really instilling a mindset of being a problem solver, right? And so it's problem solving your own issues. It's problem solving within your family. And then it definitely translates as you get older and your kids are at school and then you're in the workplace. And I mean, that we see people, adults all the time without great problem solving skills, right? And and you're like, oh boy, yeah. And there's not much you can do with that. Okay, so let's talk about mind-body bridging. What okay. What is that for people that aren't familiar? Yes, so there's a big buzzword these days with mindfulness, right? Right. And so mind-body bridging is, um, well, we have our mind and we have our body, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we think is that our mind is reacting to the environment, but also our bodies are reacting. So when our minds and bodies aren't reacting to the same thing in the same way, we call that a disconnect, right? Our mind is, is thinking something's happening and our body is thinking something else is happening, right? Like my body might be telling me, telling me something bad's going to happen, but my mind is like, we're safe, we're fine. And there's a disconnect there. And so what I teach is how to recognize when our mind and bodies are disconnected and how to bridge them back together. Because when our minds and bodies are disconnected, what happens in our brain is we um, enter what we call a default part of our brain. So our default part of our brain is just kind of our autopilot. It just does kind of what what we've done Um, in the past. It doesn't have the ability to think clearly, to have problem-solving skills, time management, organization, empathy, communication. All of that is done in our executive functioning part of our brain. When our mind and body are connected, we re-enter that executive functioning part of our brain and can function from a more powerful state, from a more connected state and functional state. And so we really have to recognize when our mind and body are disconnecting, bridge them back together. But not only that, that's kind of the mindfulness piece, right? But that's kind of where mindfulness stops, Mm -hmm. is that we also have to recognize why is our mind and body disconnecting in this situation? And recognize and becoming aware of that and diffusing those reasons so that it doesn't constantly um, make our mind and body continually disconnect anytime we encounter those situations. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure we can all think of situations like that where we have felt those feelings and yet we felt helpless in the face of those situations. So could you give me an example of this disconnect and then how we can work through this in a more effective and bridged way? Yes. Okay. So I wanted to kind of talk about the comparison trap and why that might disconnect us. So I think a lot of times as parents, we discuss this a little bit is that we see other people doing something 
that we're not doing and we feel like we should be doing that. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the reason our minds and bodies disconnect is because we have a system inside of us and it's called the identity system. And this system has this very idealistic look on we're on the world in our view of life. It says that life should be a certain way a hundred percent of the time. And when life isn't the way it sets it up to be, it sort of sets up these uh, mental rules that we call requirements. And when life isn't the way we the identity system requires it to be, Mm -hmm. then this identity system wakes up and it causes our mind and body to disconnect. Okay. So if we were, um, at the store and we saw a mom walking along with her kids listening to her and uh, behaving politely and calmly. Right. (laughs) Then we might have the thought like my kids would never do that. Right. Mm -hmm. That thought right there broke a requirement of my kids should behave appropriately in the store or they should listen to me or they should have good manners like that kid does. Right. And that thought of, wait, my kids don't do that, breaks that requirement and wakes that system up. When that system wakes up, what it does to us is it causes a lot of body tension. So our heart might start racing. We might feel a pit in our stomach or our throat. We might start clenching our jaw. Our head might start feeling tight. And it also causes what we call mind clutter, which is one thought turns into 10 more. And each of those 10 turn into 10 more thoughts. Like it just starts sputtering with all of these thoughts, right? And in that moment, when our mind and body are disconnected and we're feeling this body tension and this mind clutter, we are not functioning at our optimal level. In fact, what starts happening is we start having what we call depressor thoughts, which are now there must be something wrong with me. I must be a terrible mother because look at that mom right there, right? Right. She's got her kids listening. They're sitting down quietly. They're just walking along with her um, and, and doing everything she says. So that must equal I'm a bad mother. All from one thought of, my kids don't do that. <laughs> yes. Oh, we've all had that that rabbit hole of, of thoughts. And exactly. so what do I do instead? Okay. So I have created a, a little freebie for your listeners. So um, if they go to my website at mbbnikki.com forward slash free, and you can link that in the show notes for yep, them. will do. I have created a little map that we're going to go through. So I'm going to ask you to be a little vulnerable here, and I'm going to walk you through this so that they can kind of see it. But when they download that map, I'm also going to include the instructions that we're doing here so they don't have to just every time they want to do the map, go back and listen sure. to the episode. But um, I will include a little a little packet for them, walking them through all of the things that we talked about today and, and how to how to do this map. So with this map, what we want to do is we want to identify a situation. So for you, Jessica, if you want to be thinking about a situation that if you started thinking about it right now, something that like you kind of compare to other people, like something that you wish you could do um, that other people do as mothers. And when you think about it, you start feeling some of that tension in your body or you start getting that clutter, right? The rabbit hole starts, like the thoughts start rolling in. I want you to think of a situation like that and I want you to write it down in the middle. There's a small circle in the middle of the map. Just write it down in a couple of words. So it could be anything from like, my kids don't listen or Mm -hmm. they... Um, don't do their chores like other people or they don't get good grades or something like that. Do you have one down? Yes, got it. Okay, perfect. So the next step that we're going to do is I want you to, there's another bigger circle there, is I want you to write down all the thoughts that are coming to your mind as you're thinking about this problem or situation. And you're just going to keep them inside the big circle. What I want you to do is not edit them if you're like, well, that doesn't have to do with it go ahead and write it down anyways. Mm-hmm. Or if you uh, don't shorten them down, cause it really helps the next step. If like you really write the thought out um, rather than just one word, that's helpful. So just take a moment. Maybe people who are listening to the podcast will, will uh, hit pause here for a second and, and come back when they get all their thoughts down. Okay. And I just write down as many as come to my mind. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Feel 
You got a bunch down? I do. Yes. Okay, perfect. All right. So what we want to do now, so I, I want to kind of illustrate this for your listeners. So you'll be a little bit vulnerable. I'm going to ask you a little bit about your map here. Sure. Um, just so that they can get kind of get an idea of what we're doing. So the identity system wakes up because it has these requirements, remember, and requirements are little bombs that set off our identity system every time we have certain types of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we want to identify which of these thoughts has little bombs attached to it. Not because we want to change those thoughts or we want to get rid of them or turn them into something else. But if we take a bomb and we take the fuse off of it, what happens to that bomb? It goes away and it's not explosive. It's not explosive, right? Yeah. It's still a bomb, right? Sure, sure. But it just doesn't set itself off. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do to these thoughts is we want to defuse them. Love okay? it. We're not changing them into anything else. You know, we're not doing anything to them. We're just defusing them so that when we have these thoughts, right, like, oh, my kids don't do that. It doesn't set off that system to wake up. It doesn't cause the body tension to go. It doesn't cause the mind clutter. It just becomes a thought, right? Like, yep. okay, my kids don't do that. It doesn't equal I'm a bad mom or that I need to hurry and get home and start a tour chart and get them doing all of these things, right, and go in this overdrive fixer mode of doing all these things that don't even need to happen because I just had a thought mm -hmm. that popped in my head. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the way that we identify if a thought has a bomb attached to it is when we read the thought, if we feel any tension coming in our bodies or we notice that mind clutter starting to come. So it just starts building and building and building. Okay. Yep. So what I want you to do is read through your thought, through your thoughts that you have written down there. And I want you to draw a line from each of the thoughts that has body tension or mind clutter associated with it to the outside of the circle. Okay. So you're just kind of indicating, yep, that has a bomb by drawing a line from it to the outside of the circle. Okay. Got all those? Uh-huh. So sometimes people will say, well, all of them have bombs attached to them. Yep. Happens to me too. That's fine. Some people may say, well... Uh, you know, you really want, even if it's a little bit of body tension or a little bit of mind clutter, uh -huh. you want to draw a line from it that as well, okay. because some of these bombs have really long fuses and some have shorter fuses to diffuse. Like I they see. may not be as explosive, but they're still a bomb. They're mm -hmm. still going to set off your identity system. They'll be easier to diffuse because they're not as big, but you still want to find them because if you diffuse the other ones, that one's going to grow, right? So Absolutely. you really want to identify all of them. Okay? Yeah. And when you fail to identify it, you can't do anything about it. That is when you stay powerless against it. So it's way better you, to over identify. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. You just the key to everything, right? Okay. Is yeah. that you have to become aware of these bombs. Yeah. If you don't become aware of them, all you notice is that you, you recognize your identity system came on and yeah, I could teach you how to turn it off. But then what I'm doing is I'm just putting you on this teeter-totter of on-off, on-off. Who wants to be on that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We want to be able to get off that teeter-totter. We don't want to be on it anymore. And so, yes, the first step is being able to rest your identity system and put it to sleep. We all have one. We're not getting rid of this system. It's going to be with us the rest of life. We're going to have requirements the rest of our lives. But we need to learn to manage it in a way that it's not on more often than off. Yeah, or, absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, and too, like when you put other people, place them as responsible for your emotions, reactions, actions, things like that, that's such a victim mentality that doesn't serve you long term for sure. And when we're modeling yeah. that for our kids and they grow up feeling entitled and like victims and helpless at the throes of other people's responses to them and what they do or don't do affects them greatly – that is so unhealthy and setting them down a path that is so hard to unravel. And so yeah. not only will it be great for you as an individual to deal with this and address these things, it's what you're modeling for your kids too. So that's why I think this is so, so powerful. Yes. It, well, actually a, a short name we call the identity system is the I system. Okay. Because it's very I centered. Mm -hmm. So it's all about me, right? That's mm -hmm. the mentality that you're talking about is when the identity system's turned on, it is all self-centered, right? Like you can try to think about something else, but it will pop back around and say, but if I do that for this person, what about me, right? It's mm -hmm. always going to pop back around to that. Mm -hmm. So when people are in that victim mentality of, 
well, it's always happening because of something about me or people don't like me. It's the identity system that's causing those types of thoughts to happen. Uh We don't naturally have those types of thoughts. Got it. Okay, I know you're finding this so, so helpful, and we're going to keep walking through this process with Nikki, but I wanted to thank another show sponsor, and that is Vistaprint. I've been using Vistaprint for years to buy stationery and mugs and all these personalized items, and now that we're in the season of Christmas cards, I want you to consider using Vistaprint for your Christmas cards this year. Vistaprint makes it so easy to get your Christmas cards designed and ordered and on your front door. They'll be in the mailbox in no time. Mine have already been shipped out, so if you have already seen it, don't let holiday cards stress you out. Don't just be the recipient of Christmas cards this year. Be a doer. And you can make great collages, and it doesn't have to be a professional photo sitting where everybody's matchy-matchy. People love seeing an update from your family every year, so don't wait. So Vistaprint makes it super easy. You can pick a shape like square or rounded corners, folded or flat, and you can choose from one of their hundreds of Vistaprint designs. They have so many to choose from that are so beautiful. And as somebody that's not creative at all, Vistaprint takes all the guesswork out of it. So the other thing I love is your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or they'll make it right. So this season, make more merry at vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and photo calendars, plus great deals on photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code EMP50. That's vistaprint.com, promo code EMP50. Offer expires January 5th. Thank you so much to Vistaprint for sponsoring the show. Now let's get back to it with Nikki and the rest of my mind body bridging. <laughs> okay, so we have to, we're going to identify them. And the way that we're going to identify them is we're going to look at each of the thoughts and we're going to decide what is it that the identity system is saying should be happening here okay? okay so if you give me an example of one of your thoughts that is um happening uh, one of the thoughts you wrote down there what kind of problem solve what is it the identity system is saying should be happening okay uh that they don't respect me perfect so what is it that you think your identity system is saying sh- they should be doing they should listen to what i say and that shows Perfect. respect. <laughs> exactly okay so at the end of the line you're going to write down they should listen to me And you're going to want to use the word should when you're writing it because it's going to be helpful in the next step. Okay. Okay. All right. What else you got? Um, I'm a victim. Perfect. So how should you feel instead of feeling like a victim? They should want to take care of me. Okay. What do you mean by take care of you? Uh, They should want to make my life easier. Okay. So you, so like they should be helping me more? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? Um, they're lazy. (laughs) Perfect. What should they be instead of lazy? They should be energetic and helpful. Perfect. Or hard workers. Yeah. They should, they should be hard workers. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And even just writing this down, like if somebody were to make this list, really explicitly stating what I should be to them, I'd be like, what the heck? You know? And so it just really turns the table on how ridiculous these thoughts are that are so ingrained. It's just such a high expectation that's so unreasonable to put on somebody else because if you turn the table and somebody expected all of those shoulds on you, it just feels so unfair. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're recognizing the process of mapping is really key in all of this. And I'll talk about like how to do this in day to day. Like you're not going to pull out a piece of paper when you're feeling this way. I'll talk about how you do that later. But it's, it's the thought or the act of writing it down is what we call thought labeling. Mm. And that's the process of diffusing it. And that's how we'll translate that into real life in the moment process of Okay, that recognition and that validation of, yeah, that's why I'm feeling this way is because I think that they should be hard workers, but I also recognize they're probably not going to be hard workers 100% of the time, all the time in their lives, right? But it's okay for me to want that and desire that they're hard workers. I just can't require it. Right. That makes sense? Yes. And, and I so love how you explain that. what we want to do to diffuse these is we want to turn them into what we call natural preferences. Okay or natural expectations. It's just like, I still can want something that doesn't happen. We call that duality. Two opposite things happening at the same time 
and being okay, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can want them to be hard workers and they, they cannot be hard workers, but that doesn't equal that I'm a bad mother mm-hmm. just because I want something that doesn't happen. Okay. I like it. Okay. So how do I do that right. part? <laughs> that sounds okay. better. judge my thoughts so much if you can't already hear this and and it is so true because it's like I feel like a victim but then my next thought is like I shouldn't feel this way like I'm the one that feels guilty for the thought versus even the projection like I don't struggle a ton with comparison necessarily but it's the comparison between me and the version that I think I should be so really it can exactly it it can be as simple or as complex, however you want to view it, as you comparing yourself to your neighbor or to the PTA president or whoever outside, or it can be you versus you. So that's an important thing for people that may feel like, oh, well, I don't really struggle with comparison Mm because I have thought that too, but that's not true because I do compare myself to myself. And we get those comparisons from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, Whether they were like from our childhood when my mom was able to do that, right? Like how come I can't do that? Or my grandmother did this or my church leaders um, expect this of me Mm -hmm. or, you know, there could be lots of ways that we develop these requirements of who or how we should be. Yeah, that's true. And then you, you, you mentioned another thing that happens is one requirement can trigger another one, which then triggers another one. Right. And then it can really get going from there. Right. It's like, well, yeah, I had this smaller one, but then it triggered like, well, I shouldn't be thinking that way, right? Like I should always have positive thoughts or I should always be, um, you know, self-aware. I should always be calm. I should always feel happy. Like there can, there can be these requirements about our lives that, that one sets it off and it wasn't a big deal, but then there's these really underlying requirements, which is what I get into with people long-term is like if they work with me individually, I really try to help them identify some major areas of their lives that their identity system is affecting them. And I have like a assessment process that I go through that will show you your top three areas that your identity system is really attacking you in. We all have them. Wow. Like it's not like there's anything wrong with us. We could be functioning really well. Yeah. That's what I love about these tools is like I constantly use them to improve my life. I don't have to have anything wrong with me. They're just natural good tools that you just like. I'm doing okay, but I think I want to do a step better, and I just want to identify what, what those areas are. That's that are great. That. That's a great perspective. Love that. Yeah. So how are we going to diffuse them, right? Yep. So what we do is we want to diffuse them to those natural preferences. Mm-hmm. So we use a thought labeling tool, and we recognize these thoughts in the moment. The real diffusing happens in when we recognize what's happening in the moment, and we restate it as a preference, Okay. So if one of your, remind me one of your requirements that we wrote down the should. Uh, they should listen to me. Perfect. So they should listen to me is, I would say in my mind, if I had the thought like, oh my gosh, they're not listening to me. And I started feeling that body tension, started feeling that line clutter. In the moment, I would say to myself, I would prefer that they listen to me. And you're just doing this in your head. Nobody knows you're doing it. You don't have to stop doing what you're doing to say it. But you're just validating yourself and saying, yeah, I would prefer that they were listening to me right now. What we're really saying in that statement is like, yeah, I would want them to. I'd like them to. I recognize they're not, right? And then immediately after we we say that is we use a tool called coming to your senses, meaning your five senses. So in that moment, you want to recognize something about your five senses because that's what puts that identity system to rest. And is able to allow that preference to just remain a preference and not sputter into 50,000 other thoughts and cause more body tension. So I would say, like, I would prefer that they're listening to me and that I might notice the ground underneath my feet. 
or I might notice gravity on my body, or I might notice the background sounds around me, or I might just notice the air as I'm breathing, or I might just notice how things feel in my hands. Um, I might notice colors and textures around me. Just pick one that works. You don't have to pick all five senses. Mm -hmm. Just continue using your senses until you feel that tension and mind clutter starting to decrease. Okay. So I'll, I'll have you kind of do that with a couple of these and your listeners can push pause and go through and do all of these with your thoughts. But I just want you to go through and you're just going to do this in your mind, relabel them as a preference. So I would prefer fill in the blank. And then I want you to notice your senses for a little bit until you feel that tension starting to come down, then move to the next one, label it as a preference, use your senses. Does that make sense? Uh huh. Okay. Okay. So go ahead and do that and let me know when you get through a couple of those. Okay. Okay. What did you notice about those thoughts as you kind of relabel them, used your senses? Yeah. It just felt a little less overwhelming. Like the, the should thoughts really put like a brick wall in front of me and like mm -hmm. a, a label like, well, this is how it is and this is where the buck stops because they're lazy or because they don't listen or whatever. But then I would prefer that they helped me more. It kind of just yeah. like opens up my mind into more of an expansive view of like there's possibility there that they might mm -hmm. help me next time. And so it, it just, yeah. yeah, it just brought me back more to the present of like, it's but a moment that I'm feeling this way. And my preference going forward is that they help me more versus. Yeah. And how, yeah. how would you act in this state? In, in this new, in this new state? Yeah. yeah. I would be a lot more calm and whereas I might be more reactive to the should like, come on, let's go and snap at them more. I could say. Hey, come on over. Or it's so my voice would be more calm. My breathing would stay more rhythmic and normal. And it wouldn't seem like the world is ending on top of me. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. And yeah. I wrote that at the bottom of the map. We didn't we didn't do that before, but I have two questions at the bottom of the map if you guys download it, is that before you you do your shoulds. How do you act when you're in that state? Yeah. And that's kind of what you said, as I might be more reactive. I might be short with them. I might yell. My, my tone of voice isn't going to come out very empathetic, right? Yeah. But it, after you rest that identity system and you start to diffuse that requirement, we come from a natural empathetic state. The part of our brain that is able to communicate and problem solve and kind of look at this at, at a wider perspective is turned back on. Mm. And we might react and use different language when we're in that state, right? Mm. Why does that work? Why does using your five senses and and you can do anything, like you can just take in your surroundings by what you're seeing or hearing or feeling, like why do I get to choose any of them and what does it physically do that changes it? Because that is weird that it does have an effect. <laughs> yeah. So your five senses is actually what mindfulness is. Okay. Uh -huh. So mindfulness is just becoming aware. Well, Becca, your body is made up of five senses. Mm -hmm. If you were to tell me, if I were to say, how do you know you're sitting in the room you're in? You would describe things out of your five senses, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're reconnecting our mind with our body. We're connecting our okay. senses with our mind. The bridging, the bridging, the bridging, the bridging, <laughs> full circle moment. Okay, so there is something chemically that happens when you're bringing that connection back because in that kind of fight or flight mode where you're reacting and you're imposing the shoulds and then responding out of that thought, the disconnect happens. The drawbridge is up or, or it just yes. like crumbles in between, but it yes. remerges when you do that. Okay. So the identity system affects every cell of our body. Hmm. So it doesn't only affect our mind, right? Because it affects our tension and it can affect tension on our organs, right? Like you might have tension on your lungs. That's what a panic mm -hmm. attack is. Yeah, it's tension yeah, yeah. on your lungs and heart, right? And that's what, if you say what's anxiety, everyone would describe body tension to me and mind clutter. That's anxiety, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it, it, depression is just lots of body tension and lots of mind clutter depleting our energy out of us, right? That's not to say people don't have you know, chemical depression uh, that 
is caused within them. But if our identity system's on too long, it can cause added things to us, depression, anxiety, you know, burnout, a lot of other things and, uh, and harm to our bodies, right. That can happen if we continually stay in that state. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And so the tool that you created that will be linked on our website to send you over to your webpage, it's can be used as many times as you want because you really do have to identify specific, very specific, narrow triggers and the thoughts associated with that, that event. And you're going to need to do it a bunch of different times. It's not just like one blanket thing that's like solve all my problems with one page, right? And all your thoughts are there. So you could literally do this daily, multiple times a day, whatever. And do I have to write it down or can I do this exercise in my mind? Is it as effective? Okay, perfect. Nope. So you don't have to write it down immediately. So what I tell people is in the moment is when we diffuse these, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I don't have, to, I, I haven't mapped this out before and I'm not sure what's happening. So I'll just ask myself, what is it that I would prefer to be happening right now? Well, I'd prefer that my kids were listening or I'd prefer mm-hmm. that the house was cleaned up or I'd prefer that they were helping me, right? And I can sort of pick out some to get me through the moment and then use my senses, okay? Mm. If you have something that's continually coming up, like every day after school, when my kids come home, my identity system's waking up. Well, then I would probably find a time to map that. You don't have to do it in the moment. Like I said, you can just notice those preferences then to get you through so that you can kind of try and work on it. Um, But then later when you had time, I would go get the map out and map that out to find all of the requirements, right? Because you're not going to pick them all out by doing it in your head. You can't map in your head and figure them out. You'll just create a lot more mind clutter. (laughs) So you can get through the moment by labeling your preferences and using your senses. But if you notice a pattern in some sort of situation or problem or even a person, like every time I get around this person, I just put that person's name in the middle of the paper, Mm, right? Like mm -hmm. you can literally map anything you want to find out those requirements. Well, and writing in general has such a huge therapeutic benefit. Um, I was listening to an interview with a psychologist the other day who said, you know, writing exercises are far underprescribed for therapeutic uh, purposes. When you're able, I know my anxiety manifests in a way where it's like my mind just, it's that rabbit hole and the spinning thoughts and everything. But as soon as I'm able to get it and just kind of brain dump and get it on paper versus keeping it all trapped in my mind... A, it's a place, a physical place I can revisit those thoughts if I want to. And B, just getting it out and putting, seeing it in black and white, it's kind of like it gives it less power over me as well. I hate that feeling when you're thinking about something and then you move on to something else and you're like, oh wait, what was that thing that I was bothered by earlier? Or what was that thing I was worried about? (laughs) And then you like are racking your mind and then more stuff is coming to you and you're like, oh yeah, I got a D on that test. That was really sucky but I'd forgotten about it but now I'm right back right but if you had just written it down if you wanted to revisit it you could but ugh, that is just such a terrible feeling so I love the idea of whether it's using this this circle and um this specific tool that you've created for us so generously thank you thank you or just mm-hmm. listing out things that are racing through your mind and I don't know just having a little more clarity around those things it can just be so helpful well, and the whole goal, I have this on my website on my main banner mm-hmm. is that I, I say that this is lifestyle changes. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. not a fix. This is not a quick thing because as soon as you do some, some that more, more requirements are going to come. This yeah. is a way to manage your life, right? It's not a way to fix your life because there's nothing wrong with your life. It's just that the identity system becomes overactive too much, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want to be aware. The whole goal of mind body bridging is to bring awareness to what's happening, give us some knowledge about what's happening, and then help us to try something different. And so we call I use that acronym of ACT, awareness, knowledge, trying. Mm-hmm. And if we're continually using that AKT, ACT, right, and actually trying something new, then we will progressively start changing how our identity system affects us. And we might start out with our identity system really on 90% of the time. And if we continually act, we can shift that to our natural state or our identity system asleep 90% of the time, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that continually acting, awareness, knowledge, trying, awareness, knowledge, trying is what will shift and make some lifestyle changes for us. I always say, 
if you want long-term sustainable changes, you make very, very small changes over time. If you want something to just stick for, uh, I don't know, a few days, do a giant change because it won't last very long, right? There's nothing giant that we can change in our life that will be sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. My husband's reading a book called Atomic Habits right now. We were just talking (laughs) about this last night about how very rarely are the big changes the ones that do indeed change your whole life. It is the incremental changes every day and the deliberate choices to continue doing those small things in a sustainable way that is... I mean, that's where all the power is. And I yep. I love that so much. So we're going to link this uh, tool over uh, on my website in the show notes so that they can find it. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Okay, I do have one parenting question for you that I'm struggling with right yep. now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so put on, Shoot it. Put, on your, put on your super nanny hat for me for, for a sec. Okay, so, I mean, I have three kids, and my youngest is four, almost four and a half, and so you would think I would know what I'm doing by now, but he's in a phase, and I have a lot of young mom listeners, so I know you, you're you all going to get this. Yeah. He'll be doing something, and I'll tell him he needs to stop doing something, he needs to stop hitting his brother, he needs to go to bed, whatever, and he'll just look me square in the eye and say no, and he'll do his power stance, and he'll just be like, try me, right? <laughs> yep. And he's, they're just wanting to see if you're going to engage, right? Like I get the psychology behind it, right? And you don't want to engage in the power struggle, but I still want him to stop hitting his brother or I want him to get to bed or I want him to do the thing I want him to do. So if you were a fly on the wall in my home and I'm wanting him to go to bed, let's say, and he's just literally physically unwilling to get into his bed and he's just staring me down saying no. And he's maintaining eye contact And I'm Mm -hmm. maintaining eye contact, and I'm wondering who's going to fold first. And I don't think it's going to be him. (laughs) What? Okay, what's what's my next move? So first of all, um, what's happening is that that is triggering your identity system to become active. Okay, that's I need I need the tool. Okay, we're going to do this next. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because you we cannot, and I'm developing a whole course around this because we cannot parent or do any parenting strategy from our identity system state. It just won't be effective, right? Because we are then requiring them to do this this perfectly, right? Like you're requiring that 100% of the time he should go to bed with a smile on his face and, you know, and say, thank you, mom, for asking me to go to bed. That's right. what our identity system is really requiring. Okay, moment, so right? I'm saying he should be going to bed when the transition should be, uh, I would prefer that he get in his bed. That's my thought You would thought say that change. to yourself. Well, okay. yeah, you got to rest the identity system first. Okay, okay, got it. Okay. Like, you cannot interact with him while your identity system is going. Okay. Or it's just going to cause, and, and this is just a small piece of mind-body bridging. There's a whole other, like, layer that starts, we get in this depressor-fixer mode, and then you become fixing him, and you feel these depressors, and it's just this bad cycle. Like, that's a whole other whole nother show we can do on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is that if you act from that state, it's not going to turn out well. Okay, so we can't do any parenting tactic if our identity system's going. So sometimes we say, I'm losing this battle because I've got to take a break. And so sometimes I just remove myself and I say, I'm sorry, but my my kids know uh, mind-body bridging and we name our identity system our monkeys. Hmm. And so I said, my monkey's awake. I can't deal with you right now, right? And so they know what that means and that, you know, yeah, they may win that battle for that moment, right? Because I can't deal with that. So first of all, you have to get your mindset right around that. And so that's why I'm developing a whole course around like, get your mindset right. Here's the tool, right? And then I'm going to do like every month, teach a mindset tool that um, couples with a uh, parenting tactic that go together for this exact reason. Because any strategy, I, I could give you 14 strategies, right? But if you do any of those strategies while your identity system is active, none of them are going to work. Okay. You're not going to be able to be consistent, like we talked about at the beginning, right? You're not going to be able to follow through. And no matter how they do that behavior, enough is never enough for our identity system. So even if they went to bed stomping and screaming and they were in their bed, right? And, and in my natural self, I'd be like, success, they're in bed, right? Right. But in my identity system state, I'd be like, I don't care. They went there stomping and screaming. And then we might start doing our own little situation with them and telling them off or doing whatever that is. That's not helping the situation. So 
first I would do some maps around why, what is it about his eye look, right? Yes. <laughs> what is it about his stature that really gets me? What is it really, really get down and write all those thoughts, like really try to write them down as many as you can get those preferences and continually working with your identity system in that moment till you feel like I'm coming at this from a natural state. Then I would implement some tactics with him. Okay. Okay. So that's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. The other thing is that behavior change can change with negative consequences. Okay. Behavior change happens faster with positive consequences, uh-huh. meaning uh-huh. changing it by noticing when they're doing something correctly. Okay. So I would set up for yourself some way of noticing every time he does listen to you. Okay. okay. So yeah, here's are these moments where he's not listening to you, but my guess is there is a bunch of other times during the day that he is listening to you mm-hmm. and I would point them out like crazy okay. and I would give him some attention during those times so that when you're in this work around resting your identity system, when he's not listening to you, that it doesn't matter that you're not doing that. You're actually helping him because you're not giving him that negative attention anymore. Right? Yes. Like you're just ignoring it, but, but you're doing some internal work during that process. <laughs> And yes. so then you're also doing some work when it's positively happening and noticing, right? So um, there's there's a tool called effective praise where it's not just praising them and noticing like, hey, good job listening to your mom. But you also follow up with, hey, when you listen to mom, I'm more likely to let you do things later. Show them how that, that behavior will benefit them even if you don't notice that behavior in the future mm. to show them that like, even if nobody gives you a good job or attaboy for that behavior, mm-hmm. it's still going to benefit you. So it's a good idea to do it even if nobody's looking. Hey everyone, don't we just feel calmer? We do. Another fun way to treat yourself is with a fab fit fun box. Have you ever gotten a fab fit fun box? It is so awesome because you get introduced to these products that you would never necessarily buy yourself, but you can find some of your new favorites. So my fab lately has been new skincare. Taking care of my skin has been a real priority. Fitness, I'm going to the gym more and I love their fitness products as well. And of course, who doesn't like to have fun? And so when I opened my fab fit fun box and I got to see full size products and these luxury items like these darling, studded ear crawler earrings. There was a great clutch from Cut From The Cloth. And then of course there's hair masks from Aveda and all these different products that I've never tried that I am so excited to use. It felt like such a treat opening the box. It's packaged so beautifully. And I know that if I were to get these quarterly, it would feel so indulgent, and yet it's not. These boxes are filled with eight to 10 full-size beauty, fitness, home, and wellness products from some of your favorite brands and some that you've never heard of. This retails for $49.99, but trust me, the value is well over $200. Getting the seasonal FabFitFun box has been such a fun, fun thing for me. I've enjoyed it so much, and I would love for you to be able to try it as well. You can use coupon code EMP for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. Trust me, you would love to receive this. And if you're thinking of getting a gift for somebody, but they kind of have everything or you want to treat them if they're having a hard time or you just want to know, hey, I'm thinking of you, get that $10 off with the code EMP at fabfitfun.com. Thank you so much to FabFitFun for sponsoring this show and for my subscription box. I love getting it so much and I know that you guys will love it. So take advantage of that offer. All right, let's finish up with Nikki. So it sounds to me like most of the work comes leading up to bedtime before bedtime even happens. But it's it's the setting it up. And that's the hardest part that we kind of neglect during the day, I think, because then it comes to bedtime and it's like all hell breaks loose essentially, right? (laughs) Because we've done no preventive work for that, right? Right. It's like expecting a certain outcome without doing any of the preparation. So, Mm -hmm. okay. So if you know there's a time of day that's especially like the witching hour, you know, is a commonly stressful time making dinner, you're you're hopping on the phone and they're always interrupting you, right? So what is the things that you you need to do preparatory to that event to set them up for success? And it's going to look like uh, praise and effective praise, like you said, and Mm -hmm. um, 
So they're not going to be seeking that negative attention because they're already going to have kind of a filled bucket at bedtime. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can do that. And mapping out your identity yeah. system prior to that so you're not triggered by that moment. I can do that. I can do that. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to report back <laughs> at the end of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to do this tonight because literally every night. Because it is true. Like when I shove him into bed because I can physically put him in bed. I can. Yeah. And then yeah. well, how are my, you going to do that when she's when he's 16, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and I just feel so bad after like, but that's not how I want it to go down. It, he should want to yeah. get in bed. And then it's just that vicious yeah. cycle of the shoulds. So yeah, anyhow. Okay. I love this. I feel like we have so many tools that are so relatable to what you just insert your own issue and we all have plenty of issues to insert. So you're right. welcome. Yeah. You're we welcome to all the listeners who have all the issues like we do. Um, oh, gosh, I love this. Okay. Where can people find you, Nikki, if they want to find more information and definitely to stay up to date on when that course is coming out? That sounds yes. smart. So I actually just released a digital course just on the basic mind body bridging tools. Oh, cool. Okay. So that one's out right now. And so on my website, it's mbbnikki, and Nikki's N-I-K-I dot com. There's the course on there, and people can um, just take the the basics of that. But I also offer a group consultation call where um, I get on, and people can either email me questions or or come on the call that they want. And they can ask me any question, just like you did. Basically, Mm -hmm. this was a group consultation call. Okay, okay. It's like, hey, I have this. What would you do? And I can just give you some answers from there. But what I do with those calls is I record them and I put them on a membership page and then I categorize them, all the questions that were asked, um, like anger management or avoiding power struggles or negative emotions or teaching your kids about emotions. And you can just literally go through and find what video talks about those. So there's a little search bar. You can find all the videos that talk about those specific things. So you're not only are you being able to ask your own questions, but you're also being able to see like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I had that question and you answered it. That's going to help me a ton, right? So you, you get access to, when you buy the course, you get access to five months of the group consultation (gasps) calls as you're going through the course. So not only are you getting all of the basics of mind body bridging, you're also getting um, access to me for five months. And I do two calls a month. And so you can get on and ask any question you want for five months. And so it's, it's a, very inexpensive way to learn these tools and be able to have access to me. I also offer individual consultation sessions. We call it consultation just because I'm not licensed in every state to be able to offer, um, to call it therapy, but I don't lose my therapeutic knowledge when you're out of state. So. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you're still getting the same knowledge. I just call it consultation you, and we can't bill your insurance. You cross the border. I'm not licensed in your state. <laughs> so <laughs> it's basically the same thing, but um, so I offer individual sessions as well and bundled sessions if you want to do some more long-term work with me as well. And all of that's on my website. And I will be coming out with the the parenting – I'm calling it MBB Parenting Course. I'm coming out with that. Uh, we'll start it in January. I'm going to release it at the beginning of December um, to do some pre-sales, and people will be able to purchase a specific month. I'll show you each month what I'm going to do. Um, and so you have a whole month to work on that skill. Um, and that mind body bridging thing. And then the next month, a new one will come out. So you can purchase the whole year, which will be way cheaper, or you can purchase just individual months that you see like, Ooh, I want that one. I want that one. And you can just purchase those specific months as well. Dang girl, this is smart. <laughs> this is a smart business. Thank this, you. you are solving that. Like, I wish somebody could just talk to me and I could just ask them a question. They could just tell me what to do with parenting. I wish I didn't have to ask and somebody could just tell me what somebody else has done that has worked for them. Hello, this yep. is what you're doing. This is so what I smart. Yeah. And the gr- so group smart. consultation calls are super affordable. So it's $27 a month. Cool. And you get access to that. So you could literally do it for $27 is less than a copay yeah. these days oh, to yeah, go see a therapist, sure. right? Yep. Yep. And you can have access. Watch all the videos in a month. Ask me all the questions you want. And you're done for the month. Love if it. you like it, keep going. Like, yeah. you know. Who doesn't want an answer for $27? Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Nikki, this has just been such an awesome conversation. So many great takeaways. I am so excited. My four-year-old right now, my my, stone-faced... Eyes of <laughs> eyes of glass child is at preschool right now, and I'm almost excited to pick him up in hours. So this is good. I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna right? praise. And remember, he's 
he's got yeah. an identity system too. So yes. we're working with his okay. as well. That's why it's hard. So, okay. So it's yes. not just easy. And that's what I'm going to teach in the course too is how to deal with your kid's identity system okay. as well. It's simple, but it's not easy. So fear not. Exactly. Fear not. Oh, this has just been so great, Nikki. I really appreciate your time today and sharing all your good work that you're doing. I always ask my guests a final question, and it's the purpose of the podcast. I want women to be able to identify what makes them uniquely extraordinary, and when we own that, we have so much power to to do good in the world and to use our unique talents. So, Nikki, for you, what is it that makes you extraordinary? I was thinking about this, and I think my ability to – see a problem and want to push forward and really work on that is it has been an asset in my life. Like I see something that I want and I go for it. And that's kind of in my nature is to push things forward and move things forward. Certainly can be hard at times when I want to push forward and I don't have the energy, but I feel like that's a big asset when I use it to my advantage to just kind of really see something and go after it. Um, and, and that's been really helpful in my life. Yeah, absolutely. That is a really unique attribute and something that makes you different and amazing. So, thank oh, you. so good. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for sharing all that you did on the podcast today. This has just been such a wonderful conversation, and I have so much food for thought, and I'm excited for bedtime. <laughs> awesome. I'm going to well, do thanks it. Thanks for having me. I totally appreciate it. Have a great day.